take your Bibles with me tonight and turn to the book of Isaiah, please. Isaiah chapter number 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll begin looking in the word of God this evening. Our heavenly gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message that you give within it and the uh, things which we can learn and the principles which we can live by, the assurance we can have in our hearts of the promises which you give. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight. And may, you open, uh, may we open ourselves up to you. And may, uh, the, may your Holy Spirit work in and through this building this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to search our hearts, uh, even at this very moment, to see if there'd be anything within us that is holding us back from you speaking to us. Lord, I pray that you would give me clarity of thought and of speech, and Lord, that I would say only what you have for me to say and do as you have for me to do. I ask and pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse number 5, we'll begin looking tonight. The word of God says, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they be uh, they be replenished from the east, and are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they please themselves in the children of strangers. Their land also is full of silver and gold, neither is there any end of their treasure. Their land is also full of horses, neither is there any end of their chariots. Their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. And the mean man boweth down, and the great man humbleth himself. Therefore, forgive them not. Verse 10, enter into the rock, and hide thee in the dust, for fear of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. The Bible tells us in verse number 5, O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1, the Bible tells us, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech ye that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. The question I have for you tonight is, are you walking in the light of the Lord? Are you walking in the light of the Lord? Uh, I can remember um, being in Ireland uh, for the first time within my first few days there. Uh, we went and visited uh, this old rundown castle ruins. And uh, the, way, the way they have those castle ruins, at least in that part of the world, is they open it up to the public, but it's, it's really set up as similar to that of a public park uh, because there's no necessary restrictions. You just have to drive out to get there, and, and it's opened up for you to be able to do and to come to. And some parts there are railings, other parts not so much. Um, but I can remember going to this one specific castle ruins, and there were two specific caves. Uh, one of the caves we... Uh, went into uh, was uh, you had to literally get into uh, get onto your hands and knees and you were crawling with your elbows I mean and it got so narrow but there is nothing hardly above you but just rock itself and you're just crawling and trudging your way out of there we're a filthy mess but we had a good time just crawling crawling through there there's another one particular that we uh, went to in that same ruins and um, it appeared to be what was a uh, maybe the prison or the dungeon of sorts uh, because it just uh, went down uh, at a certain point. There were just steps, and it just kept going down further and further and further. Eventually, the steps were gone, 
and uh, you're just talking mostly of slope, and you can feel the very coldness of the cave and the moisture of the cave, and you couldn't see a thing at all. Uh, we're all pulling out our phones, you know, and turning on our lights just to be able to see what's around us, and, and the darkness within uh, was, was something that when coming out of it, you could tell such a significant difference. We've all been to some of those, uh, you know, natural caves, and, and, you know, they turn out the lights, and everyone screams, and then they turn them back on, and they say, this is how dark it is in a cave, right? Uh, the reality of it is, when, the, when our writer here is telling us to walk in the light of the Lord, it's speaking of walking in the light of the Lord in a place that is dark, in a place that is full of darkness, in a place that is full of sin. May we not as Christians, the writer is, is telling us here, as Christians and speaking to the believers, may we not allow ourselves to be involved in the very sins and the very things of this world. And he gives to us some things that will keep us from walking in that light, from walking in the Lord. Notice the first thing that he tells us in verse 6. Therefore, thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they be replenished from the east and are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they, notice, please themselves in the children of strangers. The Bible tells us the first thing that keeps us from walking in the light of the Lord can be our own self-pride. It can be our own self-pride. That which can keep Community Bible Church from making an influence here in Norfolk can be our own self-pride. That which can keep uh, a pastor from, uh, from leading a congregation of Community Bible Church and, and leading for the work of God can be my own self-pride. That which can keep a father or mother from leading their family uh, in, in the light of the Lord can be pride itself. That which keeps a young person from uh, being in obedience to their parents and following the authority that's been given to them can be their own self-pride. And, and it is, yet it is pride, the desire to please ourselves, the desire to focus upon self, to forsake the thinking of others, and as, uh, is, um, to forsake the needs of others. This, the Bible tells us, it keeps us from that light. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. The Bible makes this reference uh, of, of, uh, in verse 6, as we just read, of soothsayers. A soothsayer is speaking as someone who uh, would use sorcery or use magic. Uh, another uh, more common way we would refer to somebody who uses that sort of thing is uh, something which involves witchcraft. When we understand somebody who has self-pride, it runs right along, and God so compares it to that of witchcraft or soothsaying, sorcery, that which is so ungodly in and of itself. 1 Samuel 15, verse 23, the Bible says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. The Bible brings that emphasis upon rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You say, why is that of so important? Because I want you to understand, as God is trying to tell us in Isaiah chapter 2, the brevity, the brevity of, of, of uh, uh, and the the seriousness 
of an attitude of self-pride. The seriousness and the effect and the consequences that are involved. For someone to be involved in a matter of witchcraft, it would, in, it, it would be with their commitment to two primary things. One of which would be joining out of their own free will. Uh, secondly, it would be being willing to worship the devil himself. If God so compares the sin of our own rebellion and self-pride to that of worshiping Satan, it's a pretty serious, it's a pretty serious sin that's being identified. It's a pretty serious uh, um, uh, accusation which is being brought out. Rebellion in this passage literally means bitterness. Bitterness. So the Lord tells us here for, for bitterness or rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is not uh, but anything more than a continuation of bitterness over and over and over again. What brings a person to the point of having such self-pride? Uh, first of all, it begins with their own individual life and, and not striving to walk in the light of God, but self-pride comes with a focus upon what we think is best what we think is, is necessary before what God intends. I, I struggle speaking even on this, this subject, to be honest with you, because this is not an easy to, subject to speak on. I can struggle with pride in my own life. How easy it is to, to think, I've got this, I can do this on my own, I don't need any help. How easy it is to step in uh, to, to different circumstances of the Christian life and and rather than having a sweetness and a right spirit about things, I can uh, have kind of a, a, a bull in a china shop sort of, uh, of attitude. The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. What are some of these bitter or rebellious attitudes? Uh, so for some, it comes in the form of simply silence. We say nothing at all, but we can see it all over our expression. For others, it comes in maybe the form of sarcasm. Sarcasm, the sarcasm, and by the way, every joke contains a little bit of truth. We become sarcastic about something we really we don't think is right or we don't agree with, or maybe just simply negativity. The Bible tells us that this self-pride is what keeps us from walking in the line. It's what keeps us from making a difference. It's what keeps us from having an influence upon this world. One of the duties of a shepherd in Bible times would have been to walk through the pasture and to identify different plants uh, within the pasture that would be poisonous to the sheep. And so what the shepherd would do is, is reach down and grab of those plants and pull them up by the root. Because if you don't pull the root up, it's going to come back up again. And so... As we would read Hebrews chapter 12 with that thought in mind, listen to Hebrews 12 verse 14. The Bible says, follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. It is, of, it is given to us of caution, to not allow any seeds and therefore then roots of bitterness, rebellion, self-pride to spring forth within our minds. 
the Bible says, follow peace with all men. At the end of the day, if we ever want to be alive for Christ, we must seek to be at peace with all men. The Bible says, as much as in, as, uh, in another passage, as much as is possible, be at peace with all men. The truth of the matter is, sometimes it's not always possible. But as much as is possible, be at peace with all men. And the Bible tells us, what is it that keeps us from being at peace? It's that rebellion. What is it that, that keeps us from being at peace? It's that bitterness. Uh, what is it that keeps us from shining for Christ? It's our own self-pride. In Exodus chapter 16, verse number 8, the Bible tells us, your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. You remember when the children of Israel complained about the manna which they were being given. Moses brought to them uh, the very same thing as we're looking at here tonight and saying, understand your refusal, your frustration, your anger, your uh, uh, lack of peace, in his case, with Moses, with other men, your unsettledness in your own heart. It's not an unsettledness with just man. It's not an unsettledness that you maybe even are thinking you're keeping in a bottle and capped up on your own. But it's an unsettledness, and it's a disagreement, and it's a rebellion against God himself. He says, it's not against us, but it, it's against God. The brevity of these things. Rebellion, understand, is more than an attitude towards someone or something on this earth. It is, it is simply an attitude of rebellion toward God. The Bible says we are to have a clear conscience with man and clear conscience with God. We're, 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 how does an individual come to the point of self-pride? Well, the truth of the matter is, uh, when we think that it's, it's our way that it should be done, and we think that, it, 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 it that we thought we could have done it better, or that um, uh, our way is the only way, maybe somebody did something towards us and we thought it should have been a different, done a different way, or uh, you fill in the blank. Where does pride come from? We know in our own hearts. The Bible tells us self-pride. Number two, self-possessions. Self-possessions. Look at verse 7, Isaiah chapter 2. We're continuing. Isaiah 2 and verse number 7. The Bible says, Their land also is full of silver and gold. Neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land is also full of horses. Neither is there any end of of their chariots. Notice the second thing with me that keeps us from walking in the light of the Lord is self-possessions. Self-possessions. It is our pride, but then yet also our possessions that can keep us from being a light for Christ. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16, the word of God says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. God says, it is our responsibility as Christians to not allow the possessions of this world, the things of this world, to become of greater priority than God himself. In Matthew 5, we're given this understanding of, of fasting. Fasting is simply a concentration upon Christ. Sometimes we summarize it as just being that of food. But fasting doesn't ha just have to be food. It's anything. Would it be that maybe in your own things, in your life, that in order to be a better light for Christ, you may need to fast from those things? That's not always easy to do. Uh, maybe it's the binge watching of, of some movie or TV shows. 
Maybe it's a hobby which you thoroughly love and enjoy. Uh, maybe it's um, uh, some, some form of social media. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's friends. Why, do, why do, should Christians fast? What is the biblical purpose in fasting? It's so that we can have a better focus upon Christ. And maybe it would be that the very reason why we don't feel like we're being the light that we can be, or maybe the very thing which is keeping us from being the light that we think we are already being, but yet we're not, is because we've had a greater focus on our self-possessions than we have upon God. In Matthew 5 and verse 19, the word of God says, Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible says, I have seen all the works of them, uh, 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 all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. What is it in life? What thing is it in life that is, that you are, uh, is it that you are giving more focus on than God himself? Is there something that is taking a greater priority we, we talked about in Sunday school this morning, God having the preeminence. That word preeminence is speaking of somebody in a privileged position. What is it that you are lifting up to be in a greater, more privileged position than God himself? And they say sometimes it can be our very family. Sometimes it can be our very spouse. Sometimes it's not always bad things, is what I'm trying to say. God's not saying we have to live our lives and uh, maybe like the Amish people and with little to nothing electronics. and We're not just talking about electronics. It's what is it in your life that is taking a greater priority? You see, self-possessions keep us from, having, from being the light for Christ. The Bible says for where uh, your heart is, there, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. What is the treasure of your heart? Is it, is it God himself? Do you find your treasure and your value in Christ? I think of uh, the words honor, which are used in, in Ephesians, uh, and then yet also in the book of Exodus concerning the authority which is to be followed of parents. The Bible tells us we're to honor and obey. We're to uh, um, honor our parents and the Lord, uh, for this is right, the Bible tells us. That word honor has the idea of valuing and treasuring. That we would so value and treasure and honor God in the very same way. The Bible speaks of our prayers that we bring to Christ. Hallowed be thy name. That, that word hallowed is literally telling Christ, God, you are worthy. God, you deserve all that is necessary. Is there, are there some things maybe in your life that you need to fast from? I'm not saying you need to go on some diet. But hey, is there something in this herd that's taking greater priority? In the book of Exodus, we read of uh, the children of Israel who built the golden calf. And in their building of that calf, you remember, uh, it was, they, they were not replacing God. Uh, or rather, they were, they were not saying that God is not real, but they were replacing God with an image. It was that very commandment, number two, that they were breaking, making a graven image. The Bible says, these be the gods, they said. These are the gods that delivered us out of Egypt. Oh, they still acknowledge God, but there were things 
that they place in position as though it were and was God. And, and the truth is, we do the same thing ourselves. I referenced already Matthew 6, verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Where are you laying up your treasures? When was the last time that a, a Christian man or a Christian lady could say, hey, we, we chosen to, to put our TV in the basement for a month. We're fasting from it. Well, that's hard to do if you can even get it down in your basement, right? In some cases. Somebody says, hey, I, I really love this hobby. But in order to give myself a greater focus upon Christ, I'm going to keep myself from doing it just, just to focus upon the Lord. It's hard enough to do it for 24 hours, let alone to commit to it for a week or a month. Hey, we want, we want Community Bible Church to make a difference in our community. We want to be a light in a dark world. We've got to see our own self-pride can keep us from it, and yet also our self-possessions can keep us from it. What are the things in your life? What are the things of eternal value? Well, think of your prayer life. Maybe you would need to fast in order to have a greater prayer life. Maybe you need to fast in order to be giving more to others. Maybe it would be necessary to fast in order to give a greater focus on reading your Bible. Maybe it would be you need to fast in order to give a greater uh, emphasis upon memorizing Scripture or witnessing to others or simply just having faith in God. The unfortunate thing is sometimes we only fast when the times are difficult. And for then it's lunch. We can get by because we know if the wife's fixing a big meal for supper, I'm joking. But the truth is, we, I've done it. We do it. It happens. Self-possessions. Let me give you the last thing here, Isaiah 2, verse 8. The Bible says, Their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. The Bible tells us this third thing that keeps us from being a light of Christ is self-prayers. Self-prayers. The Bible says, Their land also is full of idols. They worship. They, they're worshiping things before Christ himself. I mentioned already Exodus 32. Why don't you turn there with me? Exodus 32. Let's just look at this passage. It gives us a, a, yet a further understanding of, of, of what we're discussing here in these self-prayers. Does your worship to God make him as though he's insignificant? I want you to think about that for a moment. Because it was the children of Israel who are worshiping God, even with this golden calf. But they're worshiping an image in place of him. Someone could say it was pride involved. Some could say it was their own possessions. Well, it really was. And what was it that led them to this point? It was... It was their, their realizing of, or their refusal to place God in the appropriate place, making God small. Look at, look at Exodus 32, and uh, looking at verse number 1. The Bible says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings. There's their possessions. 
which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons and your daughters. Bring them unto me, and all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron, and he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool, after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, Here it is, these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of Egypt. They're still acknowledging God, but they've placed something in front of it. They're worshiping something else, still acknowledging Christ, but worshiping something else. Their prayers, their, their, uh, their uh, singing, their, uh, and all the, what they called singing, I guess you could say. The Bible says it was the sound of a, of, of a battle from the mountain. And everything which they did, the Bible tells us, what they really were doing was making God as though he's nothing of significance. Making God smaller than he really is. Taking away that privileged, preeminent position. What are ways that you can make God small in your worship to make him less than what he should be? How about the attitude of just claiming you know everything about God? Sometimes we can come into a, 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 a time of worship before the Lord, even in our own Bible reading. Oh, I already know all this. Rather than letting God speak to our heart and letting God do something in our heart, we really approach it very flippantly. How about rushing through your reading of your Bible? You say, oh, well, I, I read my Bible, but are you reading it and letting God speak to you? How easy it can be that our, our life and our Christian life still becomes more focused upon itself than it really does about God. How about the preaching of God's Word? Sometimes the preaching of God's Word, I, I, I know I shared this with teenagers too, it can be taken so flippantly. A lot of chatter and talk, a lot of discussion that's made, little respect for, uh, for God's Word when it's being read. And by the way, that does include sleeping during church. It should be an, of enough discipline for ourselves as Christians to be able to rest ourselves on Saturday and prepare our minds and our bodies for the Sunday services. How about the music? Music which we sing, the hymns which we sing. How we can create God to be so much smaller than he really is. We sing songs like Blessed Assurance or Keep Walking with the Lord, but yet thinking no thought hardly of the words. I'm not... I'm not saying this is what we're doing. I'm saying, is it what you are doing? You're going to know. I don't know. I know in my own life, I can very easily take things flippantly. I can create God to be so much smaller than he really is. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, where does that come from? It comes from a, a lack of focus upon Christ and my own self-pride and a lack of focus on Christ, my own self-possessions. And I'm thinking more about the things of my life than I, are, than I am about the things of God. You see, the true individual who makes an impact in a life for Christ is the one who says, it's not about what I desire. It's not about what I own. But that my worship and my life that's lived for God would not be anything of self, but that it would all be towards Christ. That my worship and my singing and my reading and my prayer, and my prayer time and everything that I do in my Christian life would be done out of sincerity and genuineness and with true thought within it. Boy, how we can easily go through the Christian lingo, the Christian formalities of things. The, the true individual who's making a light within a dark world is one 
who is living the Christian life in honesty and sincerity in, in whatever vocation it may be, as we read Ephesians 4, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. God's not called us all to full-time ministry, per se, as that is, you're a pastor or you're going to be a, um, uh, you know, a pastor's wife or a missionary or something like that. But what God has called you to, are you giving Christ his rightful place? Has pride come in the way in the midst of your relationship? Have your possessions come in the way of your relationship with God? When you consider your own worship before the Lord, is it honoring and pleasing to him? Would, would, would it truly be said of your worship before Christ that it's done of sincerity and it's done of genuineness? The truth of the matter is, if we were to be honest with ourselves before God, sometimes our, our um, desire to get out of church is a lot greater than we really give credit towards it. Get out the door as soon as I can. Will this guy hurry up and pray? I'm ready to get going. We, we can become more concerned about the time in which it's spent in worship and at fault because of our own pride, because of our own desired possessions, things of this world. Are you walking the light of the Lord? Uh, I, uh, as I was praying and asking the Lord if this, would have, if this is what he would have for me to share tonight, I don't know why, I just feel that this is what we need. May it be our desire. I don't believe it is any less of our desire to make a difference in our community. But it comes where the rubber meets the road, it comes back to your life individually. Examining your life and saying, hey, what is holding me back? What is keeping me from doing all that I can? Am I truly shining a light of Christ in everything I do? Am I really making a difference in my actions, in my responses? In my prayer, in my singing. I know we wear a mask now when we're singing. Sing out for the Lord. You say, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Sing out for the Lord. You're not singing to man, you're singing to God. Amen? We pray, say, you know, hey, the truth of the matter is, uh, our prayer lives should be, uh, rather than taking God flippantly, they should be of unity with one another and, and desire soaking our prayers before the Lord. And by the way, prayer is not just about bringing things. Sometimes our prayers can be so consumed about our own possessions and our own self-pride before they are really of, of prayers and praises before God and acknowledgement of what uh, he's done and, and can still do. One of the greatest ways to pray is to pray the very promises of God. After having spent time and knowing what God's word says and you've read it and you've studied it, you're you're not reminding God of the promise as though he doesn't know it. Well, you're praying before the Lord with that promise because you know, because you know that God will fulfill it. You're praying with assurance, with faith. May our prayers not be ones of flippancy. May our Bible reading not be of ones of, uh, of flippancy. Our, our listening to the word of God, our, 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 our rushing to our own schedules. Pride, possessions, praise. Lord, I pray that you'd help us Apply these things to 